Welcome to Design is Everywhere, the weekly podcast from the Design Museum. I'm your host, Sam Aquilano. I'm the founder and executive director of Design Museum Everywhere. Every week on our show, we tackle a different element of design and explore how it impacts our world. We always have the help of a new guest co-host who's an expert in their field, and together we interview a guest about their work in design. Because design is everywhere, and so are we. This week, we're talking about sustainable everyday fashion design. I'll be joined by Suzanne McKenzie, the founder and CEO of AbleMade, the New York-based company specializing in sustainable, eco-friendly athleisure. And later on in our show, we'll chat with Jordana Guimareas, co-founder of Fash Innovation, a platform showcasing innovations that shape the fashion industry. Together, we'll learn more about the changes being made to create more sustainable designs in everyday fashion. Before we dive in, just a reminder for our listeners, that's you. Please jump onto our podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts, everywhere you listen and leave a review and a rating. It really helps us reach more people so we can chat about design with even more people. Help us grow this community. So give this episode a quick pause, add your review, and then start it up again. Thanks so much, and let's get back to the show. And with that, on to this week's topic. Fast fashion has run its course on the runway, and now it's time to rethink everyday fashion trends that are designed sustainably. I'm so excited to chat with our guest co-host, Suzanne McKenzie, to learn more about her very own sustainable athleisure lifestyle brand called AbleMade. Suzanne is an award-winning creative director and designer with 19 years of experience in branding and nonprofit work. She has designed eco-friendly and domestically produced products and secured designer collaborations that have helped raise awareness, loyalty, and funds for nonprofits such as Pencils of Promise, VH1 Save the Music Foundation, the Guggenheim Museum, and her own nonprofit, the UCAL McKenzie Breakaway Foundation, just to name a few. In addition to serving as a past president and board member of Boston's AIGA chapter, Suzanne is a former faculty member at both the School of Visual Arts in New York City and Suffolk University in Boston. Suzanne was selected as part of President Obama's Global Emerging Entrepreneurs at the White House, and she's also a recipient of the Sappy Ideas That Matter grant program. Suzanne's designs meet at the intersection of design and social impact. Suzanne, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, it's great to have you. It's great to see you. I not, not everyone can see you, just me, but it's great to see you nonetheless. I would love to to learn about the AbleMade origin story, what AbleMade's all about, how you merged your design background into making this all happen. Tell us. The story really started in 2009 when I lost my husband, UCAL, of sudden cardiac arrest when he was playing a game of soccer. And needless to say, life-changing disaster, tragedy in my life and our family's life and the community at large, it was really, really hard. During that time, I was just looking for something to keep me going and wanted to start a foundation in his honor. UCAL was a first-generation immigrant from Jamaica, was a guidance counselor at Newton North High School, which is pretty close to Boston. And he was very, very involved with city youth within the Boston community. So super beloved. He also was a high school varsity coach for the boys at Newton North and also um, did some time at Cambridge Ridge and Latin as well as their varsity boys coach. So everybody knew him. Everyone loved him. He was just a bright light in the community. Really to lean on com my community, I started the UCAL McKenzie Breakaway Foundation, partnered up with Nike, partnered up with Whole Foods, the pro women and men's soccer leagues, 
and started the foundation in his honor to continue the great work he was already doing and wanted to combine not only soccer, but also education, obviously heart health education with hands-only CPR and AED awareness were super important for me to integrate in because of what happened to UCAL. And then also layered on top of that hydration, education, nutrition, even partnering with Capital One for financial literacy programming. We did social justice this year, yoga, you know, for peace of mind, you know, introducing kids to that. And it's just been an amazing 12 years. So that really is the foundation literally of why I built AbleMade. I started a capsule collection with Nike about a year into the foundation to help fund the foundation. We did jerseys, jackets, and hats. I also um, built a poster calendar, which ended up selling at the MoMA Design Store in New York City, as well as the Institute of Contemporary Art in Boston, and had contributions from amazing artists, you know, Pentagram, Alan Dye from Apple, IDEO, um, two by four, a lot of really, really great artists and studios contributed um, in honor of the foundation. So with the success of those you know, products helping fund the foundation, I did a little cold call to Vogue. And you know, why not? <laughs> why not? Right. <laughs> and I ended up um, talking to Anna Wintour's assistant and ended up getting a meeting in Times Square where they were uh, headquartered at the time, not with Anna, but with her senior market editor and you know, told them my story and said I wanted to do something, you know, in the fashion realm, maybe a t-shirt to help fund the foundation. And they linked me up with a brand called Rag and Bone. And, you know, they're British, they love soccer. So I ended up going over to <laughs> have a meeting with them. And in that meeting, I literally hatched the idea for Evil Made, where, you know, I was so passionate clearly about what I was doing, but even if the guys love soccer, you know, maybe they, they really cared about saving the dolphins or something completely different. So I hatched this idea where Able Made could fund my foundation, sustainable fashion made ethically and open it up to others who might want to contribute to my foundation, but also give them the freedom to choose their own foundation to get proceeds back to. So at that point, everybody just started jumping in. We worked with Swell Bottle, Project One Way. Puma, a lot of really great brands and designers started jumping in. And that really is how we launched the brand in 2012, going to market at 2012. It was pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. So you shared a couple of things I want to dive deeper on. One was capsule collection. Can you explain that to our audience who may not know what a capsule collection is? Yeah, of course. A capsule collection is usually a limited amount of product for a limited amount of time that's available. It's a usually a smaller more focused collection. And we definitely did a lot of that, more so one-offs, um, one-off products, but we would collect them into like a little group. So we did a, you know, a few bags, some jewelry and a swell bottle and put that into one capsule collection and limited edition product that went really fast. But um, it's a really great, fun way to, you know, do some special projects for sure and, you know, bring other people into a collaborative environment. So within AbleMade, how do you decide, you know, what products to focus on and then what's your process? You know, so maybe there's a collaboration. What's your first step as you're designing these things? Well, we're really excited to actually start leaning into our heritage story a bit more. We really 
built the brand on collaborations, but now we're really starting to like celebrate our own DNA and our own brand and our own story. We describe ourselves now as sustainable athleisure for the active and the activists, powering a global movement that unites us for the love of the game, the planet, and each other. And I'm so excited that we're going to be launching some new lines coming up in the next few months. That's going to you know, celebrate sustainable fashion. It's going to celebrate domestic manufacturing and really supporting local and lowering our carbon footprint. And we're going to be celebrating the reason why we started the brand is, you know, to empower city youth. So that story is going to be told through product and our collections moving forward. And we certainly have an amazing group of, you know, collaborators around us and people who are planning to do things with, but it's going to be on a more focused level. And we're really going to be not stepping away from those but doing them a little less frequently. And we're really looking forward just to, you know, celebrate the brand on its own. That's cool. It seems like the next step. It seems like everything you're doing is around the role of fashion to encourage not only a healthier planet, but healthier lifestyles. How do you kind of get people doing that through these pieces? I heard recently that it's not about the clothes, but the life you live in the clothes. And I thought that was just amazing. And I love that. I love it. And it's it's so true. And it's, you know, we've always, you know, really wanted to create durable, long lasting products since we began. And, you know, quality, we're we don't want to compromise on that at all. And, you know, we think of the person on their journey throughout the day, they're very active, they're go, 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 um, they're go-getters, if you will. And, you know, they have a very full life and we want to support them in that with, you know, functional pockets or things that aren't going to just wear in a few washes like fast fashion pieces. We really want to support this lifestyle and also provide, you know, the narrative optimism. So, you know, poppy colors and, you know, things that feel good, they drape well, um, you feel great in them. So, you know, we really want to support our customer and having been around for a few years, we do understand who that customer is, which is amazing. So we look forward to, you know, creating more of that. I like to call it dialogue with our customer and, you know, support them throughout their day. How have you been able to link those stories, right? Using those materials, doing, you know, more sustainable uh, practices, how do you tell that story? And then are you seeing a value back from customers when they, they're like, they're getting it? Yeah, absolutely. So there's almost a design challenge in deciding on what to talk about, what to talk about regarding the brand, because, you know, there's this really strong heritage story of why we started. There's all this material, there's the manufacturing story, there's the design process. There's just so much that we want to say. So, you know, in working with the marketing team, really just creating the hierarchy or the pacing of what story we want to tell and how we want to get that across. So um, that's exciting for me. Like that's one of the most exciting parts is really like the design and marketing end. And we're working now on some videos and, you know, looking at holiday for our creative work and introducing our new collections, really trying to connect in creative and very new ways to how we express it, how we communicate and how we get the word out. And what's great for me, like we've done pop-up shops, we've partnered with one hotel in Brooklyn and done pop-up in their lobby for a few months. And my one of my favorite things is talking to the customers and um, some people coming back at having worn it or wearing at the time the product and just telling me how much they love it and how soft things are and how great they are and how many compliments they get. Like that's one of the most rewarding things is actually talking to the customers and getting to know them and their responses to the product. 
Last question. We got a little bit of sort of where AbleMade is going, which is super exciting. Where do you see sustainable fashion design going in the next few years? I'm really optimistic. I think everything that's happened with COVID and I think people just realizing how much of an environmental impact fashion has. Fashion is one of the most polluting industries in the world. A lot of people don't realize that. And you know, with the rise of fast fashion and and just buying, 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 consuming, 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 I feel that a lot of different fashion brands all the way up to luxury level are making a stronger commitment to sustainability and to more earth-friendly practices. So I'm really excited to partner with one of the luxury brands coming up. I can't say who it is, but just yet, but mm. we're really excited. You don't want to make news on this podcast? <laughs> I'm just um, kidding. We're really, we're really excited. And, but, you know, from this experience, like I've learned that people really want to make a difference all the way, at, you know, not just emerging brands like myself, but also really established ones. I even heard Tommy Hilfiger speaking about sustainability, and I've never heard that from him or his brand before. So it's really, you know, I think it's going mainstream. And, you know, you have the Stella McCartney's, you have, you know, the other leading brands that are leaning in like Allbirds, Reformation, or Everlane. Those are sort of the the more well-known brands that have done more in sustainable fashion. But I really feel like it's going to go mainstream and it's a good thing. I don't think it needs to be differentiator. I think it should be a standard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, you are definitely inspiring in terms of bridging that, you know, gap between you know, social impact and fashion and design. So kudos and thank you so much for being here again. Thank you. Listeners, to see more of Suzanne's work, visit ablemadeshop.com. And Suzanne, please stick around and we'll bring Jordana Guimareas into the conversation after a quick break. If you like this podcast, then you will love Design Museum Everywhere. It's a museum that comes to you wherever you are. That's right. Design Museum Everywhere is all about making design education and inspiration accessible to everyone. Become a member today and join a global community of design thought leaders and change makers. Everyone can be a designer. We can all appreciate and advocate for the transformational impact that design can have. Membership starts at just $3 a month and you get access to virtual Design Museum live events, discounts, and our Design Museum magazine sent right to your doorstep. Just go to designmuseumeverywhere.org to join today, and your name will be listed in our next issue of Design Museum magazine, which will be sent to Design Museum members all over the world. That's designmuseumeverywhere.org to be part of this global community. We're back. And we're joined by our special guest, Jordana Guimareas. Jordana has over 15 years experience as a marketing, sales, and public relations director in the lifestyle and fashion industries. In 2018, she co-founded Fashion Innovation, a platform showcasing innovations shaping the fashion industry via ways of technology. Fashion Innovation hosts events to foster global conversations, and so far they've helped over 400 of fashion's leading innovators reach audiences representing 120 countries. She's also founded the Nylon Project, a project to aid the homeless via New York Fashion Week and celebrity influencer involvement, and recently self-published a book titled, It Can Be You, Humanizing Homelessness. Jordana is passionate about sustainability, women empowerment, and inclusivity. Jordana, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, I want to learn right off the bat here about fashion innovation. Can you tell us about it and how you see fashion as a vehicle for social impact? 
Yeah, for sure. So fashion innovation has been quite the roller coaster, amazing roller coaster ride. But we started my husband and I three years ago. And the whole premise in the very beginning was exactly the name. So innovation and fashion. So we thought, you know, why don't we bring diverse individuals and people that are innovating with technology, not necessarily in the fashion industry, but by bringing them into the industry, change can be made, systemic change can happen and really allow this bubble that fashion has been for so long, so exclusive, make it more inclusive. So from day one, we would bring from Google, Shopify, NASA, IBM, and then we'd have Sean John, Mara Hoffman, DBF, and then we bring the UN, Arab Fashion Council, so very diverse. And we found that through bringing all of these individuals together that it really brought along a lot of collaborations and a lot of people that maybe, you know, people would come to us and say, NASA, really? With Shanjan, how does this make sense? But once they started hearing, you know, what they were each up to and seeing that the collaborations were there and they could do things together towards a better fashion for tomorrow or the future, that's really when we had the aha moment that, okay, this is something like, and people are receiving it really well. Um, So we continued. And I have to say three years later, because of COVID, we pivoted everything to online. So now we're in online, we call it worldwide talks, because we realized that by going online, the world came together. And now even this Thursday. So our next one, it's going to be a 15 hour day where we start in Saudi Arabia and we end in Beijing. And it's just super exciting, you know, to really because at the end of the day, the way to answer your question, social impact for us, it's about people. It's always been about people. It's always going to be about people because people is what makes the world go around as cheesy as it sounds. And I'm a huge lover of people. That's why I got into fashion. And I just feel like if we all unite, if we all collaborate and the fashion industry being the biggest in the world, everybody wears clothes at the end of the day. If we use it for the good, so much good can come for the world to become a better place. So that's really what it is and what we've built. I love it. That's so awesome. Kudos. So much innovation is about community, right? And bringing people together. So can you talk more about how you bring all these sort of like disparate folks who all maybe have that fashion, but fashion's so big. How do you work to like cultivate this innovation community? You know, it's funny. I really have some times to think out the box because I I see it. A lot of times we'll invite someone that they're like, why are we talking? I'm not in fashion at all. (laughs) And I'm like, that's why we're talking. Yeah, nice. (laughs) And I have to really at that moment really try to make it make sense to them. Why would fashion want someone who's not in fashion to come into these conversations? So a really big example that we had just recently is Formula One. So we got in a call with Formula One. We invited them to participate at this upcoming event. At first, they were like, how does Formula One fit in? But when you start to look at all of the technologies that they've been doing, especially since COVID with like cleaner air and, you know, hospitals and just like making the world better through sustainability, we can use a lot of those technologies when we look at the supply chain of fashion. So after kind of explaining that thought process to them, they were like, you know what, this makes sense. So long behold, we have now Formula One participating at this next event. So I think it's really just like, it's for people to understand that behind technology, behind fashion, behind anything, there's a person. And that person comes with ideas and fresh perspectives. So much of it is being held back because unfortunately, as much as we hear the word inclusivity and we hear people saying how much they want to change, 
unfortunately, a lot of them still don't. And they just say the word because it's trendy, but they're not making efforts towards it. So it's something that, you know, obviously we're not going to change it overnight, but I think if more people come together with, you know, our mission and theirs, and even Susanna, I mean, she's incredible. I love the work she does at Able Made. These types of companies is what the industry needs in order to move forward and really preach what they're saying. And not just use words that are trendy in that moment. Yeah, totally. That makes sense. Are you seeing, it sounds like some cross-pollination between different industries where, you know, you're showing kind of elevating best practices. So what are some of those innovations uh, and changes that you're seeing kind of from different parts of the industry? So there's so many things. So I've been seeing a lot of, um, you know, uh, upcycling, secondhand, like exchanges, rentals, like not only like, you know, rent the runway, but renting from each other's closets, bringing community in. Um, you also see a lot of technologies that are bringing resale to e-commerce platforms for traditional brands where it creates customer loyalty and engagement. So it creates full circularity when it comes to e-commerce shopping. Then you have things like, you know, 3D, whether it's for buyers, wholesale, showrooms, um, shows, less carbon footprint. And then you also see a lot happening just in terms of when it comes to collaborations, you know, a lot like Madewell, for example, they just created a part under a website now, which is called Brands We Love. And they're actually carrying brands that are not owned by Madewell or made by, you know, they're actually like championing them on their official website. And I think that's something that we did not see. I've never seen that, especially pre-COVID. And to see people doing that now and having a brand champion another brand that in used to be maybe called competition. And I hated that word. And I'm happy that hopefully we'll eradicate it. But to have that happen, it's so refreshing and it's really cool to see. So I think there's a lot of changes. And I think a lot of the early days, like the companies that have been around for decades, they're having a little bit of a hard time, like, because it's a lot of change and it's fast change. But I do believe that even though some of the things may be, not everything is going to be like great for everybody, but I think for the world as a whole, as like unison, I think fashion is becoming a better industry because of COVID, because it, it had to push things forward, you know, for climate change, for inclusivity reasons, for so much that has happened because of COVID. So as much like it's been really horrible with, you know, lives lost and jobs and everything that's happened. But I always like to look at the glass half full. So I look at the positive changes that come of it. And I hope that they stick because the positive things that have come out of it are really, really great. Oh, that's so great. I want to jump to Suzanne as someone who's, I'm sure, you know, inspiration is so key to any design process, particularly for fashion. What sort of trends or other brands are inspiring you, especially as you're, as you mentioned in the last segment, as you're kind of taking your collection to the next level? Well, I love what Jordana said about human-centered design. And I love the idea of different perspectives because you can come from a totally different industry and have a very different point of view on the same problem as someone who's you know been 20 years in, in the industry. And I get a lot of inspiration from Virgil from Off-White and Louis Vuitton. He's a trained architect and just brought all of his creativity into fashion and look what he's been able to build, you know, with his creativity and at, even at the luxury level and his three rare brand off-white. I think, 
he's doing an amazing job. And I, I also want to celebrate everybody in the industry, as I touched on before, regarding everybody stepping into the conversation about sustainable fashion. I think everybody has woken up to the fact that we need to make a change as an industry and moving that conversation forward, collaborating more and working together like the Madewell example, really supporting each other and being transparent with each other, sharing resources, sharing manufacturing information. I think the real differentiation is going to be the design and the marketing, you know, and the authenticity about what you're doing and what you're approaching. I, I'm really hopeful that sustainability is no longer going to be a differentiation point. I want us all to be sustainable and more sustainable and earth friendly. So I, you know, that human centered approach and just different perspectives is really, really important. And I will touch on the inclusivity part as well. I think that's super important, not only different voices from different industries, but different people, different backgrounds, ages, um, experiences, life experiences. You know, for Able Made, we've been reflective of the community that we serve in Boston and Hartford since day one. And, you know, my first three investors were all people of color. Um, two of the three were women, and that's reflected in every touch point throughout our brand. You know, our management team, the people we cast, it's always been true. And I'm hopeful that, you know, this is not going to just be a marketing proposition for people. It's really going to be something that people look at and take seriously and incorporate into the business, not just the marketing. Yeah, that's awesome. So a question for both of you. I definitely want to hear both your takes. So maybe start with Jordan. I'm, I'm curious you know, what the big challenges are for the fashion industry in terms of sustainability. I mean, is it like the scale, like you said, everyone wears clothes and it's just a huge industry overall. Is that one of them? What are those challenges that need to be overcome? So I honestly believe the biggest challenge is consumer knowledge. Consumers, the end consumer, when they're not in the conversation of sustainability or they're not interested in it right off the bat because they don't know, they have no idea what it entails. They have no idea what it means. And the funny thing is, as an industry, I feel like because it's always a lot of times industry talking to industry, we're like, oh, my gosh, sustainability is really taking a stand, which it is in the industry. But what I found is that through research and even speaking to friends of mine that are not at all in fashion, when I bring up sustainability to them, they're like, what does that even mean? I literally get that question all the time. So when you have, you know, people in like middle America and different parts of the world that are not so in the fashion world, when it comes, you know, they go to the mall, they go to their favorite store, they see something is sustainable, but they don't really know what that means. And a lot of times I feel because there's so much verbiage that's used around sustainability that's like industry verbiage a lot of times the general consumer they don't understand so they just give up because they're like oh this is too complicated it's too much like i, I don't know you know like and the thing is unfortunately we are living in a society now where people do want things quick even covid it didn't really slow it down like you know and i even see it with my it starts from like i have a three and a five-year-old i see it with them you know like they're they just want it now and if it's not now they start crying and they go nuts and so in a way like we see that a lot with adults they're not going to start crying and stomp their foot but we see it in a different way so i think it is so it all starts with knowledge and then i think because the knowledge isn't there and the demand isn't there 
it's a huge issue of supply and demand. And also the pricing being expensive, but that's only because the demand isn't there and the demand isn't there because the knowledge isn't there. So I think if we start by like sharing knowledge with the general consumer, allowing them to be a part of the conversation, once they understand they'll want to buy more sustainable and once more is purchased, the pricing can go down and eventually sustainable can become mainstream. I completely agree that consumer, you know, education needs to be part of it and how brands speak to consumers and get them engaged with the storytelling. And obviously the end product just has to be amazing. Um, One additional challenge I'll add to that is the internal process. You know, I have a lot of friends in the industry, you know, from the luxury level, different, different brands throughout the industry. And it's really interesting to hear their feedback about the design process and Sometimes the non-committal part of the design team caring about the sustainability part, you know, in some ways I'm very surprised, like, you know, people still want to continue to use the leathers, the furs, or just more conventional things versus, you know, trying to use more innovative materials or innovative processes. And I think, you know, we all have to challenge each other to be better and to move together forward because that's going to be the only way we can make change. And unless we're making really amazing product, because that's ultimately what the consumer wants, they're not going to care about the product or the story if the product is not great. So I think that's a design challenge. I think heritage brands have a really hard challenge. You know, they're known for a specific product or quality, and they don't want to compromise potentially with a new innovative, unproven material or fabric. And I know I design, I drive my design team nuts because, you know, when they're bringing ideas to me and I'm, I have to make them go back to drawing boards sometimes because, you know, there's a plastic in there. We definitely are not using plastic or this is conventional and we can't use it that way. Or, um, this new material, the drape isn't working the way that I envisioned or that we want using this new material, we were going to have to resample it. So like it's a longer process, but I will tell you, it's so much more worth it with the end result when you put that much diligence and care and, you know, authenticity into what you're doing, because it's just, you know, even if we're an emerging brand, I know that we're informing other bigger brands just because of the conversations I'm having with them and them being inspired by us and vice versa. So it's all connected. Coming back to that human-centered design conversation, it's all connected. And I just hope that we can continue to move forward as a community. I admire you so much, Jordana, like all that you've done in such a, a quick time, all the pivoting you've done through COVID. I think that what you've built is incredible. How have you approached introducing yourself or cold calling or you know people that you'd like to have through fashion innovation? How have you approached that? And do you get scared? <laughs> That's a really good question. And it's so funny. So like I... You know, I was a, I was a publicist for 15 years, but that's like totally different ballpark than what we do now at Fashion Innovation. And my husband doesn't come at all from fashion. So much so that when he first heard Warby Parker, he was like, is that a park? And when Diane von Furstenberg replied to our email, he legit looked at it. He's like, why are you so excited? Who is that? And I'm like, okay, we have a lot. We have like like dummies 101 to like go on fashion here to go on this journey. Um, but it, it's funny because we literally like every speaker that we've had, the ones I mentioned and so many others have been through cold emailing. Um, and really we always approach it in a way that we go directly to the speakers. So we never go to their assistants or publicists. We go, we 
do a lot of research. And my husband, I have to say, is the mastermind behind the research. But we find their personal email. We send them an email. And in the email, we don't say, hey, we're doing this event. Do you want to speak? Um, We really approach it as, hey, you know, we're huge fans of your work because ABC, we would love for you to inspire. Um, You know, this is what we're building. This is what we believe in. Um, So I think when it comes from that angle, and it's also a very... I never cold email like dear Diane or dear Mrs. Furstenberg. Like I always approach them like, hey, Diane. And I put smiley faces and hearts. It's just who I am. And I think that it's funny because they've probably never been approached in such a light and like casual manner by someone they don't know. So that I think in itself might be like refreshing to them because they're so used to like these hidden agendas and companies coming to them with such a corporate facade that they have to maybe they, they have to be the day on front first and break that they think people see them as where we approach them in a way where they feel like they can really be themselves. And so we've done that from day one. And when I speak with them on the phone for the first time on a video call, I've cry to people like, Oh my God, I can't believe I'm talking to you. Literally cry. My husband's like, are you crying right now? (laughs) But it's just, we're very honest with who we are because at the end of the day, I think people buy people, people like they're, they resonate with people and they, they know when you're being genuine and they know when you're trying to just sell something to get like a step ahead. Um, and we genuinely, like I said, when I say I love people, it's not just something I say, like it's, it's who I am. Um, and so, yeah. And and as far as like getting scared, I think I grew up with two parents who were entrepreneurs and traveled around the world from a young age. So seeing them like, you know, approach people and I I was brought up in Brazil and in Brazil PR, you literally stand in front of the store and people walk by and you're like, Hey, come here, look at what I have. Come, let me show you. So growing up with that approach and seeing my dad do that. And as I grew up, did that with him, I think it taught me to just like, just be yourself and people, you know, and, and be, have a good energy, like smile all the time. Like, you know, I think people reflect what you're feeling, right? So if you talk to someone and they're like, hi, how are you? The person's going to be like, I'm good. How are you? But if you're like, hi, how are you? The person will be like, good. How are you? You know? So it's all about just knowing how to like make people feel good because at the end of the day, we all want to feel good. That's awesome. In terms of inclusivity and sustainability, I would love your point of view on you know, where that's going. There's been a lot, you know, with Black Lives Matter and everything that's happened over the last 24 months plus, obviously. Are you seeing any connective tissue between inclusivity and sustainability? So when I think of the word sustainability, every time I do a talk around it, I always bring up people. Um, I feel like it's a word that I use a lot, but it is like when I think of what is sustainability, I, I just think of people and I think of treating people fairly and, um, you know, giving a fair wage and um, being inclusive and who's within your company, like how are you treating them within the culture of the company? I just think of people. And I think that in order for a company to be sustainable, people have to come first and they have to be treated well because otherwise it doesn't sustain itself. So that that's like how I put the two side by side. So one really doesn't work without the other and vice versa. Um so that would be the answer to that. And also um what's interesting is as far as like the industry really kind of like taking a step when it comes to inclusivity. Um, We actually just saw something really, really cool. So we just branded, we just uh, launched our new brand at Fashion Innovation and it's uh, Listen, Talk, Watch. And for the campaign for the brand, 
we actually hired uh, the filmmakers, the makeup artists, the models, everybody who was involved in the new campaign, we actually hired from the favelas in Brazil. Um, and it was really amazing, um, you know, giving all of these individuals that were part of the campaign the opportunity and just like envisioning them, like waking up, going out of their house, running to catch a train, they, like knowing that they were going to be part of an international campaign, like just having that feeling of what it felt like, just thinking even at like a minuscule of what it felt like to them. And what we found is after we launched a campaign, we got approached by a lot of the really big fashion institutions that are known globally saying like, oh my gosh, like your campaign is beautiful. Who did you work with to get this talent from the favelas? Like we'd love to work with them. So like just seeing how it was received by I want to, I don't like by brands and companies, maybe that didn't do enough in the past, but once they saw what we did and how it's interesting, but when you're inclusive, whether it's for a campaign or for anything, the way that you show up to the world, that energy, like it jumps off of whether it's like the campaign or like how your company deals with other people. Um, and that's what I felt like, you know, I felt like a lot of brands were coming to us and saying, I'm looking at this image of this model and I'm not just looking at his image, but I feel him like I can actually, it's almost as if though, like I'm feeling everything that he's feeling in that moment. So that's why when I think of sustainability, I think of people, because I honestly think the only way that a company now in the industry is going to stay alive and like stay afloat is if they are inclusive and if they are sustainable, like I think those two things are a must in order for a company to survive now. So I think they go hand in hand. To wrap, I, I we've you both mentioned a bunch of a handful of brands that are doing well. I wonder if we can wrap with both of you sharing a brand um, that you think is doing really well in the sustainable you know, everyday fashion space. Why don't we start with Suzanne, then we can end with Jordana. Well, I think um, what Allbirds has done has been great, and I know that they're going into an IPO. It's really interesting how quickly they've built and the financial support, which is a whole other topic, a whole other podcast episode. But, you know, they've gotten a lot of backing and have been able to grow really quickly. So I think they've done a lot of innovation around footwear with, you know, even collaborating recently with Adidas. So like moving the industry forward in terms of sustainable fashion and products, I think is admirable. So I would I would call them out and give them a shout out. Well, I love all birds also. Um, so I would say the brand for me is Osklen. Um, it's O-S-K-L-E-N. They have stores all over the world, but they're more known in South America. And what I love about them is the founder. First, he doesn't like to be called an entrepreneur. He likes to be called an artist. He actually studied college physics um, and he got into fashion, which this speaks to my coming out of fashion into fashion. And he really, when he speaks about the earth and it's like connection to fashion, he romanticizes it in a way that you can't help but fall in love with every word that's coming out of his mouth because it sounds, it's literally like it comes from like his soul. Like everybody should listen to this guy speak. I'm such a huge fan, but I think with the brand, what he's done is just incredible. So I would go with Aslan. Love it. That's awesome. Thank you both. And thanks so much for being here, Jordana. This has been so great to learn about your work and good luck with building this amazing community. Thank you so much. I loved it. You guys are amazing. Listeners, to see more of Jordana's work, visit fashinnovation.nyc. And that's spelled with fashion without an O in fashion. So fashinnovation.nyc.
nyc and we'll post the link. And now it's that time. Every week we share our weekly dose of good design, our examples of good thoughtful design that have impacted us or others in a meaningful way. I'll go first. So this past weekend, I uh, took my kids to a new playground uh, in the next town over called the Castle in the Trees. And that is exactly what it is. It's like this giant wooden castle with all different types of play typologies mixed in, you know, the classic slides and swings, but also just like a drawbridge and just different like stepping stones. And I was less, you know, excited or concerned or interested in like all these different things, but just like the whimsical nature of it. We've been to hundreds of playgrounds now and, you know, the classic kind of post and platform slide swings, you know, deal. But this castle in the tree just reminded me how important it is to like get some magic into their lives, right? Like they really felt like they were in a castle and they were playing and doing all these amazing things. And there were other kids there and they were playing tag. And I was just like, this is incredible that they have this like magical experience. And really when it comes down to it, it's it's just wood, but it's wood, you know, constructed into this like really whimsical, beautiful castle form. And I don't know, we, we did an exhibition on playground design a few years ago called Extraordinary Playscapes. And I'm remembering back now to all these like whimsical playgrounds that were like a giant rocket ship or, you know, a, a big pirate ship. And uh, it would just be nice to see more of those kind of like magical environments. Um, I know my kids enjoyed them. So Castle in the Trees in Littleton, Massachusetts. All right, that's mine. I'll kick it over to Suzanne. So I love to cook, like love to cook. And um, Sam and I, we met in Boston back in the day. And um, I I wanted to give a shout out to one of my favorite chefs, um, Barbara Lynch, because I used her cookbook this past weekend and I made a bolognese and I tried actually a vegan version, which was interesting. But um, cooking just is my like Zen place. The kitchen is my Zen place. My parents are French. So like food was everywhere when I was growing up and we really celebrated occasions and each other through food. And that's followed me into my adulthood. And now that it's not like a billion degrees out, um, I enjoy cooking more and I'm looking forward to like baking and everything. But this past weekend, it was all about Barbara Lynch and the bolognese sauce. It was so much fun to make. And I, I just can't wait to start cooking more. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. Listeners, if you have a great weekly dose of good design, please tweet or share it with me on Twitter. I'm at Sam Aquilano. I'm happy to share your weekly doses on the show. Suzanne, thank you so much for sharing. And thanks so much for being here. This was fun. My pleasure. So much fun. That's our show. Thanks again to Suzanne McKenzie and Jordana Guimarães for joining us. What a great conversation. Thank you all also for listening. We'll post links to the resources we discussed today on our episode page. Visit designmuseumeverywhere.org and click on podcast. You can always find the latest from us on social media. On Twitter, we're at design underscore museum. And on Instagram, we're at design museum everywhere. We're also on LinkedIn and Facebook. You can just search for design museum. And we have an awesome weekly email newsletter that you can sign up for on our website. You'll always hear and learn the latest coming from us in your inbox. And be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to Design Is Everywhere anywhere you listen to podcasts. Your ratings and reviews help other people find our show. This episode was written, edited, and produced by Amor Yates. 
with research, support, and writing by Tanya Chavla. Our theme music is Orange Sunset by One Wave. For the entire team here at Design Museum Everywhere, thanks for being here, and we'll talk again next week.